You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis in the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Box. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, and I will be joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, and also the Big Ten Network Analyst and Wisconsin Herd Analyst, Brian Butch, will be in as well. We've got a conversation with uh, both my friends there today as we talk Bucks Pelicans and then a little bit of Wisconsin Herd, who, by the way, if you guys haven't caught the Herd, uh, they are 11-1, top of the G League, 11 straight games. They lost their first game, and they've won 11 straight since there. Frank Mason, Dragon Bender, Jalen Adams, all these guys are just going off down there with the herd. They're actually a really fun team to watch. So uh, we're just going to get a little update on, on the Bucks guys and why that team is playing so well. Talk a little bit about the relationship with Chase Buford and Mike Budenholzer as well and, and the changes the herd have seen from obviously a tough year last year. But... Right off the top, we're going to jump in. It's me and Frank. We're going to be talking Bucks Pelicans. Up next, this is uh, this is the game of strikes. A couple of days off for the Bucks, but they uh, I believe this is an ESPN game against the against the Pelicans, but not going well for the for the Pelicans. No, and I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm not. I don't watch the Pelicans on any type of regular basis. They they lose tonight on a buzzer beater from Derrick Rose. They're on TV a lot. <laughs> yeah, the, this the, this is probably part of the you know the whole ratings issue, right? Is yeah. you know the the Warriors and Pelicans probably are like you know the, the league. Obviously, you understand why the league wanted a lot of Warriors games. Um, I'd say the league might have jumped the gun a bit on the Pelicans. Uh, obviously, this is the Zion effect of them getting a bunch of uh, TV games and then Zion getting hurt. Um, I mean, the Warriors and, and Pelicans are like exhibit A in the like the league has to have better cha- ability to flex games off the national TV schedule. And I think we've heard uh, maybe a little bit more. I think the Bucks what, had one game added recently and then another game taken off uh, later this year or something like that. But um, but yeah, I, 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 the Pelicans, I they're still I still look at that roster even without Zion. And I know other guys have been hurt at times, but. I, I don't know, like Alvin Gentry, like is Alvin, I feel like Alvin Gentry is just going to be there forever. And is he ever really going to get the most out of that team? I feel like they pretty much had that one really nice run where they, they won the player, the playoff series against the Blazers. And otherwise I just feel like that team is just sort of like consistently underwhelmed and, and not really lived up to its potential. And there's obviously been some you know, like the AD situation last year, some some you know, mitigating circumstances. But I, I don't know. I, I I just look at that roster and I feel like, I mean, there's still a lot of talent out there. And I know some of the pieces necessarily haven't fit as well as they would like. Um, they've got a lot of young guys, a lot of new faces, things like that. But, you know, you just look at the pedigree. Obviously, Ingram's put up huge numbers this year coming over from the Lakers. Um, 
you know, Redick, I thought was a huge pain every time the Bucks played the Sixers. I thought that was a, a big loss for the Sixers. Um, you know, adding him, Derek Favors, and again, injuries obviously have I think a lot to do with this, even aside from Zion. But I, I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to figure out why that team isn't maybe a little bit better, um, a little bit more competitive than than they have been. And and again, maybe they've lost some some close games that that you know things could have gone differently. But um, I don't know. I mean. Uh, they're this kind of team, like, if they kind of figure some stuff out, especially when Zion comes back and they win, string together some wins. Um, you know, I don't know if I would I don't know if I would have picked them to make the playoffs before the season, but I think they were definitely at least in the conversation. And obviously so far it's it's been a bit of a bust. Yeah, and I will say that, uh, you know, on paper, and this is what you're talking about with the league being able to flex games, I mean, on paper, Giannis v. Zion is a, is a pretty attractive <laughs> game. Right, I think right. I think people are going to tune into and. And I, I agree with you, though. Like, I mean, I watched the Pelicans early in the season a couple of times because they have been on TV a lot. But, yeah, with, I mean, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Reddick, as you pointed to, they picked up favors in the offseason. Uh, clearly, you know, obviously Zion is the big missing piece there that, that you know, people probably expected he was going to have a big impact, even though he was a rookie. But, yeah, I mean, they got a, they got a lot of talent and they play fast. And I will say that while this is a game that when you talk about the Pelicans losing 10 in a row, uh, you expect the Bucks are going to win, and uh, uh, there's no reason to think that they're not going to. Uh, the Pelicans have got uh, a bunch of kind of guys that can have big nights, and we've seen Drew Holiday have big night against the Bucks in the past. Obviously, Ingram uh, can get hot. So, yeah, they're kind of as as bad as their record is at six and eighteen. They're still kind of a dangerous team. I feel like. Yeah, and you mentioned I mean, Drew Holiday. Um, you know, on paper, the Holiday Ball, Holiday Lonzo Ball backcourt coming into the season, I, I thought that was a really nice pairing in as far as, you know, giving Lonzo a chance to play with a guy who can play on the ball, a guy who can take some of the scoring load, you know, can let Lonzo play the way I think Lonzo probably should be playing. Um, and, you know, Drew is, his numbers have, have come up a little bit, um, but just, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of taken a while for him. Um, and, I don't know. It's just, it's just, you kind of just look at the numbers and and Drew's always been kind of like a sneaky, inefficient scorer and kind of same thing again this year, uh, 52% true shooting, you know, which obviously is, is not great. Um, and then you kind of just go up and down the roster. Um, you know, a lot of guys with, with injuries, you know, favors has only played nine games, um, so far this year, which obviously hurts them. Um, and then just a lot of guys, I mean, like, you know, you just think about, and again, this is always like, I think a, um, a good thing to remember, like, you know, file it away now and then remember it next July. Um, you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson, guys that like really got people excited uh, in, in Vegas and to some extent during the preseason. And then, you know, and then, okay, you actually start to play real games and, and those guys struggle to really, really make any sort of impact. Um, and, and again, this is the challenge. I think when, you know, you're kind of banking on really young players to, to to be you know make a real positive impact and you know Lonzo you know 49% true shooting you know really has not has not turned the corner in the way that I think a lot of people were hoping that I thought he might have you know had this was a really good opportunity for him to kind of reset and kind of maybe find find his game a bit I mean he's been 34% from three on almost seven shots per game from three Um, so that's really good but I mean it's just like you know four two-point attempts and 43% shooting this season. I mean, he just can't score anywhere inside the arc. Um, just kind of really, 
really struggling to do that. I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like what his, what he, his kind of upside is, what, what he's really going to be. I mean, it feels like he's sort of like a Ricky Rubio at this point where, you know, he just can't do anything. He, you know, he's, he's got a good body, can defend, um, but it doesn't translate into, you know, being able to get easy baskets, you know, get to the rim, finish there. Uh, and the three point shooting just isn't consistent enough to really, you know, kind of really threaten teams either. So, I mean, Ricky's been a long time positive player. So I think hopefully for, you know, I think this is a fun team. I'd like to see them be good. Um, but it just kind of hasn't all fit together. And, and that's, you know, been a shame with, with Ingram, you know, who, I mean, Ingram putting up almost 25 points, seven rebounds, four assists a game this year. Uh, He's at 42% from three, almost 50% um, from, from the field. I mean, you know, the counting stats, are all great. The, you know, even the advanced numbers, obviously, you know, encouraging, especially given he's only 22, he's certainly um, playing himself into a very big contract next summer, but you know, like, what is it, what does it translate into? He's a, he's like a guy who likes to play ISO ball. Uh, I don't know. He's like one of those guys, like I, I still kind of wonder is, is his game, you know, that quote unquote winning basketball, even though he is, he's been really efficient this year, but um, it just, for whatever reason, you know, for, for the Pelicans, it just hasn't added up into uh, into winning basketball. I mean, they're 19th in offensive rating, 29th in defensive rating, right? I mean, they just they just once again just are not defending. And um, you know, for a Bucks team that obviously has been uh, smoking teams left and right, and you know, bring bring a singular force in Giannis to the table, uh, that's obviously a, a something that that uh, you know you. Let's just say this: If the Bucks don't score a lot of points on Wednesday, you're going to be pretty disappointed, given given what we've seen from the Pelicans this year. Yeah, well, I I will say that what I have watched of the Pelicans is they play fast, and there uh, is a lot of points scored. So it might be a fun one to watch. Um, I I mentioned that it is on ESPN. I believe it is over there. It is it, it is in Australia, but we know that we we actually the the Australians actually had the respect to put the Bucks put this game on national TV. So uh, <laughs> you know we we, we kind of all have, have that. Okay, now we're going to bring in our guest for today. He is an analyst on the Big Ten Network and also an analyst for the Wisconsin Herd. He's the former Badger, Brian Butch. Thanks for jumping back on. Yeah, no, glad to be a part of it. So I was thinking before we started talking here, I think the last time we spoke, the Bucks were 2-2. Two and two, And uh, this was back in October and now they're 21-3. and three. They've, had a, they've had a pretty nice stretch here. Yeah, I think you should have me on more often. Well, I'm going to take credit for the run, so we'll just we'll just call it that and say that uh, the reason that they went on such a run uh, such a run there is because we chatted. All right, all right. I'm happy to do, I'm happy to do that. But speaking <laughs> of streaks, I, I I mentioned that you're you're doing some stuff with the Wisconsin herd this year, watching some games, calling some games, and they're on a streak of their own. They're 11 and one on the season. They've won 11 in a row. So combined, the Bucks and herd have got a 26 game winning streak. And if you look at all the stats, I want to I want to get straight to some of the stats for this uh, Wisconsin herd team because I must admit I haven't seen a lot of uh, their games or watched too many full games of the herd. But when you look at all the stats for this team, fifth in offense, fourth in defense uh, efficiency, that is second in net rating, they're second in the league for points per game, first in rebounding, and fourth in three point attempts. Uh, these are all numbers that are very bucks like. Yeah, well, exactly, and and part I think. Part of it is let's start at the beginning. Um, the last, the first two years, there was a guy, their head coach, Jordan Brady, and I, I was on staff with Jordan. Um, but obviously, with Coach Kidd there, 
uh, it worked. There was cohesiveness. There was talking. As soon as Coach Budenholzer got in, uh, you know, they, Coach Brady didn't know Coach Budenholzer. So the communication was, was good, um, but it always could have probably been a little bit better too, right? Well, then you insert Chase Buford, who had worked with uh, Coach Budenholzer in Atlanta. He had been on Josh uh, Longstaff's um, staff in Erie with, you know, with the kind of cohesiveness, cohesiveness with Atlanta there as well. So there had been a familiarity between the two. So that comes in. The other thing is, the last couple of years, the players they brought in didn't necessarily fit the system, especially last year of Coach Bud. Didn't have a lot of shooters, and what do you need? You need some shooters. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the there was more guys that were, you know, positional guys versus position list guys. Uh, so then you look at what they did with the roster this year. There's only two guys that are back. One is a Brandon McCoy, who's, you know, a guy that they're still trying to develop as a big man. And the other was AJ Hess, who was a shooter. Then they've gone out and they've gotten guys that are former NBA guys. You know, they say, sign a guy in Frank Mason. That's a two way. And Frank is a, you know, he's a two, he's a two way guy, but let's be honest, Frank should be an NBA player. Um, his biggest deal is consistently if he can make threes, he'll be on an NBA roster. He's starting to do that in the G League. Cam Reynolds, NBA player, you know, called up by the Minnesota Timberwolves last year. He's played at a high level. Uh, and then you get a guy in Jalen Adams that, you know, was on an NBA roster with the Atlanta Hawks last year. And somehow, some way, they were able to get him on a G League contract, um, an Exhibit 10 contract. So you got three guys right there that are really, really good. Uh, and then you've got uh, Jones, who's an absolute rebounder, a six-five guy that's yeah. averaging twelve point, you know, five rebounds a game. And then you've had the, you know, the usage of uh, uh, Dragon Bender, who's been able to go ahead and really, you know, give these guys a, a force down low when he's been with them. So, just a lot of talent on this herd team that I think um, was not there the last couple of years. Let's put it that way. I. I Coach Buford's doing a fantastic job of coaching this group up because you got to bring those, you got to bring everyone together. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret too, Kane. Don't tell anybody. That's just for <laughs> me and you. Players, players win games. It's amazing when you have a lot of talented players, you win more games. Isn't that amazing how that works? Well, it is. And and but you, you know you're right. I mean, I look at this roster compared to last year, and and the talent is just there. But every time I spoke to um Jordan Brady last year and then and then Bud it was clearly it was it felt like there was a a, a real want from Bud to involve the G League system and get them playing that way but I, I do think that uh as you sort of pointed to they didn't have that connection that was already there and it, it felt like a bit of a work in progress and then I would go and watch her games and I'd say okay well uh everyone's saying the right things but this team isn't playing necessarily the same way and a big part of that was the, the talent on the roster. When I look at the the numbers here for this herd team, you've got Frank Mason shooting 44% from three, Jalen Adams 44%, uh, Bender over 40%, and so is, so is Rajon Tucker. I mean, they're just stacked with shooters and they put themselves in the position to play that way. But I, I do want to go through some of the Bucks players. So you already touched on Frank Mason. We may as well start with him. He's played five games so far. We've seen him up with the Bucks a, a couple of times. And as you pointed to, this is a guy that has played a lot of NBA basketball with the, with the Sacramento Kings. So we spoke on your radio show this morning and, and you mentioned to me or, or asked me what I thought was, it was a big concern with the Bucks roster. And I, uh, the, the, the thing that I pointed to was the fact that when we looked at this Bucks team coming into the season, point guard depth was going to be 
uh, a concern. If anything happens to Eric Bledsoe or George Hill, uh, then you're looking pretty light. And Frank Mason's doing his thing down there with the herd. I think he's a guy that, you know, during the regular season, you'd be fine with using him as a stopgap, as a back backup point guard for a, for a stretch if you need to. Um, probably not a guy you want to rely on to play big minutes in, in the playoffs. But what exactly has impressed you the most with him? You already pointed to the shooting, but uh, this guy's a ready-made player. Yeah, well, I think it, more than anything, you, you hit on it, but I still don't know how they were able to get him as a two-way. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, whatever Dave Dean and John Horst did to make that happen, uh, I don't know if they've got uh, blackmail on some, but I, <laughs> because it's absolutely amazing that they were able to get Frank as a two-way uh, because just the way as many games as he's played and what he's done, uh, that's just a fantastic job by the, uh, by the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks because what does it do? It gives your G League a guy that, you know, number one is a, is a point guard. So he's able to kind of command it. But what it does is the other guys you bring in respect him because he's been in the NBA and the guys in the G League want to be in the NBA, so they're going to listen to him. Uh, but it does what it does for your parent club and your NBA team is if there is an injury, you've got a guy that's not a two-way that you're trying to develop you know, like, you know, last year it was a, it was a Trayvon Duvall, right? Like, you wanted to develop him. No, 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 you don't need to develop Frank Mason. You can put him in an NBA game and you would be all right. You know, like you said, is that a guy you want to put in during the playoffs? Well, you never know. But it, it, he's yeah. a guy that at least you can put in, plug in, and you'd be just fine. He, you know, he's a pro. He's able to go about it. And that's what, you know, you've seen in Oshkosh. You've, he's come in. He's been a pro. He's you know, been a calming effect to a group of young men that are trying to, you know, find their way out of the G League to an NBA roster. Uh, the way that his basketball IQ is, is what really pops to me more than anything. He knows the game. He knows where he's supposed to be. He knows the actions he's supposed to do. Uh, and then, like I said, he's the calming effect. When, when things aren't going well, which that hasn't happened a whole lot with this team, but in stretches it has. And, and when and when I mean stretches, you know, you're talking two or three minutes. That's about it. Frank's been the one to calm things down, give them a good basket, get them a good look, make sure they're the right offense, and, and steer the ship when it's kind of going off course a little bit. And uh, that's why their record is what it is. Yeah, but he's, uh, he, he seems like, certainly from what I've seen, he does seem like that sort of floor general that – uh, again, you know, when I watched this head team last year, seemed to be seemed to be lacking. And uh, when you have a guy with that experience, then I guess that's going to show. But probably the guy that intrigues Bucks fans the most, and we've spoke a little bit about him uh, with Frank on on the podcast before. Dragon Bender, uh, he's gone down. He's played six games, and in those games, he's put up big numbers. I mean, he's averaging over twenty percent, uh, twenty points per game, over forty percent from three. And this guy. When the Bucks signed him, because it's it's really a it's a, it's a free free swing with this contract he's on. I mean, it's not costing you a lot of money, and what you're getting is a guy that's still only 22 years old, fourth overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft. He's been in a just a a, a really bad situation in Phoenix, where a lot of guys, uh, a lot of young talented guys, have not been able to uh, realize their potential. This guy's played a lot of NBA as well, even though he is so young. 174 games, uh, 171 games with the Phoenix Suns. He only averaged 5.3 points and 3.8 rebounds. Uh, this guy seems like he's he's done everything right since coming to Milwaukee. Well, yeah, and, and my time in Oshkosh, just sitting there watching him. What the reason you said and you said it's a sweet, uh, it's a free swing, it's a free look. I mean, for what they've got to pay, they they had to fill out the roster somehow. So you're gonna have to pay somebody. But what this does more than anything, in my opinion, 
is you've got a guy in Brooke Lopez, and he's getting a little bit older and, you know, productivity, you never know where that's going to go. You've got a guy in Bender that can fill that role if Brooke Lopez decides that he's going to jet or whatever it might be if the productivity decreases a little bit. You've got a big that can step into that role if you have, you know, are willing to develop him a little bit. And I think, you know, looking at it that way, it's a great way to develop a big. You said he's the fourth overall pick. You know, there's talent there. He's young. He doesn't necessarily understand what the game is. And I'll be honest, when you're in a situation that just isn't working for you, it takes away the love of the game a little bit. And this is just my, you know, personal opinion on what happened in Phoenix. But I think anytime you're struggling and you're not having fun and you're not improving and it's just a it's just an absolute grind, it takes away some of that love of the game. And I think, you know, being able to just play again, and that's what the G League's been so good for, just being able to play. You've seen him down in the G League for a, for a little bit, and then he goes back and plays at a really high level in the in an NBA game. And I think it's because he's refining that love of the game. And when you've got the skill set and the talent of Bender, and then you kind of put it back together and realize, hey, I am pretty good at this, and you're starting to get some confidence built, and you're starting to kind of scratch that, hey, wait, there's a reason I was the fourth overall pick. I think that's what we're starting to see a little bit. And for Bucks fans, that's the exciting part because your investment here is not that much. Yeah, so that's probably the, the, the biggest takeaway that I've had with Fender is that you never know with a guy like that fourth overall pick. He's obviously come across from Europe and maybe uh, he's a little bit disgruntled by the American experience at that point. He's, you know, obviously uh, hasn't got off to the start to the career he would have liked. Then he gets traded to Milwaukee, a team that really, like he knows, oh, it's not traded or the Bucks sign him. And, and you know, at this yep. point, when, when he looks at that roster, he's like, well, I'm really not going to play here. Like, you, you know that that's going to be the case. But having said that, his attitude from the start, everyone I've spoke to there has just said that he is such a joy to be around. He's excited to be there. No complaints when he goes down to the, to the G League. Uh, level and I think that's the biggest thing like if you have the right attitude <laughs> Amen. yeah I mean we've seen guys before you saw guys last year their attitude they probably thought they shouldn't have been there they, sh- they thought they should be in the NBA I mean Bender is a fourth overall pick he's got a claim to say I should be at the NBA level but he's going to Oshkosh and, and going to work yeah no question about it I think a lot of it is the attitude I think a lot of it is the approach and you know for Bender to go down there he just you know for him to play well is a really good thing because he hasn't done that. You got to probably think now he's been in the league for four years. So he hasn't done that since he's been 18 years old. So to go and put up these numbers, it doesn't matter who it's against. Then you put it against the G League, who also has other, you know, NBA players down there, and you start to build confidence. And I think more than anything, as confidence grows, your skill level continues to grow. And I think that's what we're seeing with Bender. And I think in the end, it's it's a great long-term buy here by the Milwaukee Bucks front office. So one last one on Bender here. So uh, we know offensively what he can do. He can shoot the three. He seems to have uh, nice hands and he seems to be able to, to catch a ball in a, in a pick and roll situation. But uh, defensively, I, I'm not sure we know a lot about him. Now, he's not exactly the most solid guy. Obviously, he has the, the height. But defensively, is he, uh, I guess, playing his role with, with the herd? Are you seeing uh, potential on that end of the floor? Because I think that's going to be the difference maker for him. Well, for sure. And you talk about defensively. And with the way the Bucks play defense, they're not asking their bigs to get out and hedge yeah. ball screens and slide their feet a bunch. And No, no, just protect the rim. 
and, and you gave the stats earlier as far as where the herd ranked as far as, you know, at the rim protection. They're right near the top, and a lot of that, a lot of that is because of the way Bender's defended it. Uh, with any defense you play, you're going to give up something. You know, the Bucks are going to give up mid-range. That's what they want to give up. They, you know, they want to take away the three, take away the rim, give up mid-range. And I think the way that they're set up defensively, Bender can do that. Uh, he's been able to do that at the G League level. And I don't, you know, let's be honest, you're not asking a lot of your bigs with the way the defense is set up. They've got to be in an athletic stance, but you're not asking them to do stuff that they can't do. They're seven feet tall. If they use their length at the rim, most bigs that you put into that defensive system should be successful. If not, they're just a really, really bad defender. Uh, and they're, you know, from my viewpoint of it, uh, I think Bender's done a great job of being very, very active in that low rim protective role. And he's done that with his height. He's done that with his, with his length. And he's been able to kind of play that little cat and mouse game with guards to make them a little indecisive. Right. So it's interesting with Bender, when you look at, we, we already spoke about him being that sort of free swing for the box and, and me and Frank spoke at the start of the season, who was the guy that uh, you would bet on not being on the Bucks roster at the end of the year. And just because they have so many guys locked up, Bender was an obvious candidate, but uh, his contract right now, uh, only, only around 800 K guaranteed at the moment. If he is, uh, the date that I've got here on Spot Track is is the or was the the first of December so for that 800k guarantee. So we'll see what happens with Bender, non guaranteed for next year. So again, this is a deal that the Bucks are going to be able to keep uh, him for very cheap if if that's if they see the potential and they see this guy as potentially a, a piece uh, beyond, as you mentioned, maybe Brook Lopez or someone like that. But the last guy that really relates to the Bucks, and again. I think this is a long shot to see this guy really get any minutes with the Bucks this year. But Cam Reynolds is the other two-way guy. Uh, again, I mean, he's a guy that can shoot the three. He's shooting 36% at the moment. He was 41% last year uh, in the G League. But 6'7", uh, around 220. I mean, he's got, he's got nice size. Again, I probably look more at the defensive end. Like, if he's a guy that can defend with that, that size, then he probably has an NBA future. Yeah, Cam's a shooter. Now, I know his percentage is down a little bit, but he's been a great great um player for this hurt team he's been able to shoot the ball well when he's got mismatches he's able to go in the post take advantage of that post with a nice little jump hook he's done a good job of fitting in his role too as a two-way uh, most two-way guys come in and they expect to be the guy on this hurt team there's so much talent that he's kind of fitting the role when he needs to take over he takes over uh, when he needs to be assertive, he's being assertive, but yet he's not being a ball hog and forcing too much. And I think that's been the big thing. Uh, defensively, you know, I think there's some still some things to work on a little bit, but I think he's gotten better this year. Um, so overall, the grand scheme of it, when you look at what Cam can do, uh, you know, he's a, a, a big, or a, you know, a wing that can space the floor, but yet his basketball IQ is right there. Um, and I think the growth on his end, you hit it right in the head, I, I think is on the defensive end. Um, but I also think he's gotten better from the first game to, to where they stand right now. All right. I think we've, we've certainly, from the Bucks' point of view, we've, we've given a, a decent wrap of everything that's going on with the herd. Frank mentioned them yesterday, and, and the fact that they were 11-1, I mean, I, I think it's, <laughs> it's definitely worth talking about this team. They're doing some good stuff. And, and I went to a couple of games uh, last year in Oshkosh, and if, uh, if you guys get the chance to go out there, it's fun. I mean, that crowd... That crowd really gets behind that team. I was there last year when they weren't winning a lot of games and it was still uh, a full house. And, hey, we've seen Giannis go out there to watch a game. So it's uh, it's definitely worth doing that. But just before I let you go, 
wanted to check in on the Big Ten Network stuff. How's everything going for you? No, it's going good. Uh, actually, I'll have an Illinois game um, this weekend. I've, I've been to Columbus and, and seen Ohio State. They're really good. I've seen an Indiana game. I've called the Wisconsin games. So that was fun to get back to the Kohl Center a little bit. Um, I've got a couple more games, and I've got a couple more, uh, more studio appearances in the uh, second half of the year here. But, um, you know, I enjoy it. It's exciting for me. I really enjoy uh, getting back to kind of my roots of the Big Ten, obviously, as an 18-year-old kid. Something we talked about with Bender a little bit. As an 18-year-old kid, that's kind of what shapes you. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously playing at Wisconsin, being a part of it, it's been, uh, it's been really enjoyable to get back to it. Obviously, still do my morning radio show and kind of balance all of it. And uh, during, during the, uh, the wintertime now, I get to get to some Big Ten uh, arenas and stadiums and get to watch some Big Ten basketball. So that's always fun. All right, one one last one, and it's kind of uh, this. This made me laugh. This story. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Brian, last week, but John Beeline, the coach of the Cavs. Did you read the story about uh, he or some of the players, Cavs players, reportedly uh, reportedly weren't happy with some of the terminology uh, Beeline was using uh, when coaching? And for instance, one of the examples was if a, if a player is curling around a screen, he calls that a polar bear, and he had all these animal names for different uh different players or, or different sets and apparently the players or one of the players was not too happy about this and said that uh this isn't college basketball anymore this is the nba we don't we don't do that uh what uh, <laughs> did you have any any animal names for any players when you were back in college and and what do you think about that that report in general because this one really made me laugh you know we we did not have any animal names no we did not um <laughs> We had a couple of play calls that were, you know, something, you know, I know one was like a cyclone and stuff like that, but, but no animal names. And I guess my, uh, my response to that is, uh, is Beeline's won more games uh, than the Cavs have the last couple of years. So I, I don't think they have much room to, to stand on <laughs> if you're a player. Um, I, I love, I like the hire because when you looked at the Cavs, they needed player development and that's what, you know, John Beeline has been able to do. He's been able at Michigan to, to make some of these guys that just haven't, you know, weren't five-star recruits and turn these into, you know, some really, really good college, you know, and, and, and NBA players. But, you know, you've got to change some things. And when you get to the NBA, a lot of it, it's a player's league. Man, and that's the toughest thing that I think he's going through right now. So it doesn't surprise me that that comes out. Um, it does surprise me that a lot of the players want to make a big deal about it because, it's it's not like the Cavs are are winning a lot of games, and it's not because of the terminology. So let's figure out why <laughs> they aren't. And you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's got nothing to do with the terminology of what he's doing. It's the fact that just the players aren't good enough, and um, I think that's the that's the biggest issue more than anything. Um, you know, when you look at this Cavs team, I'm eighteen. The five wins they or the eighteen losses that they've had isn't because uh, John Beeline's called a, a curl a, a polar bear. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, you know it's interesting because the Cavs are just really bad, and it looks like a lot of the older guys, whether it's Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson or even Dally, might be uh, might be on the way out anyway, and they're going to go full development mode. Which, let's be honest, they should at this point, and maybe then. Uh, that hire does make sense, uh, as you sort of pointed to. But the guy's 66 years old. This is, you know, you don't see that a lot to, to finally uh, come into the NBA system. But, yeah, I just, I had to ask you that one because when I was reading that story, I thought of you. I was like, I wonder, you know, I wonder what they were doing at, at Wisconsin back in the day. But 
Well, I, I appreciate you jumping back on. Like I said, it's been a nice little stretch since since you last came on to, to chat with me, and uh, we'll we'll look at getting you back on pretty soon. No question, love to do it, Kane. Uh, you get you do great work. I appreciate you letting me jump on and talk some uh, bucks and herd, and uh, it's always fun. All right, that'll do us for today. Uh, it is another Bucks game day. The Bucks are back at it, as we spoke about earlier in the podcast. They take on the Pelicans tonight. Late start, eight thirty PM start. This one's going to be rough for you guys uh, back in Milwaukee. One thirty PM start for me, so uh, not quite as bad on this side of the world. But yeah, the, the Pelicans on a long, long losing streak, and the Bucks we know looking to go for sixteen wins in a row. It should be an entertaining game. I'm expecting this one to be high pace, high scoring. And uh, the Bucks will be looking to outscore this uh, Pelicans team that, as we spoke about, uh, just hasn't quite got to the heights they were expecting to at the start of the season. But we'll be back after that one. Uh, Frank's still in Vegas, so we're going to catch up with him after that game. Uh, that'll be a later drop than usual just because of the game time. But uh, keep an eye out for that one on uh, Thursday morning. It'll, it'll be there as usual. So for Frank Madden, Brian Butch, and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.